Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting the ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is January 22nd, 2023. How about them apples? All kinds of stuff to talk about, man. We have the horrible, horrible performance of the Buccaneers during the playoffs against Dallas Cowboys. The firing of Byron Leftwich. The keeping of Todd Bowles. Whether Brady's going to return, man, we we just have a crap load of Everything stuff to talk, about. to talk about. Everything, everything. I think this is the first podcast since we had the baby. Is it? No, it is. no, no. We had a podcast sure. with the baby. In oh, we. D- I think. <laughs> no, we just did our predictions. We did a YouTube. Uh, We've been on YouTube. We've not had the podcast. Yeah, a little bit on so, YouTube. Oh. Baby's here. Baby's here. Get, get the world prepared. <laughs> <laughs> She's been a handful, man. Um, and Molly is feeling human again, kind of. So we're here. We are here and not really happy with the whole Buccaneer situation. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. really. Well, you know, I say that, but man, you would think with the access media, those guys are thrilled to death about Byron Lift, which getting fired. Well, and I think that they've drummed up a lot of the fan base, so I do oh, think yeah. a lot of the fan base is happy about I mean, they were calling – do you remember – I can't remember if it was last year or the year before they were calling for Byron Leftwich's head. Oh, yeah. At the yeah. beginning of the season – fans, at the beginning of the season when we got off to kind of a slow start mm-hmm. offensively. And um, so I just – you know, yeah, to me, he was the current scapegoat. Uh, there's always one. Yes. So. I concur. I concur. Uh, we had, in case you're not aware, Byron Leftwich has been fired as offensive coordinator with the Buccaneers, along with a, a bunch of other uh, coaches. Let's see. We we got rid of a specialist coach, Chris Benoit. 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 <laughs> I think he was our wide receivers. No, Kevin Garver was the wide receiver. Wide receiver's coach. Kevin Gardner was released. Which uh, he was one of BA's guys. He's been here the whole time. Yeah, all these guys were, right? Uh, Jeff Castle, uh, quality control coach, offensive quality control. Uh, assistant defensive line coach Lori Locust. She was the only defensive person to be fired. That one was weird. I don't know what that's all about. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's, you know, he's getting rid of a lot of, Arians is special people, handpicked people like Byron Leftwich and Lori Locust. Uh, running backs coach Todd McNair, uh, coach quarterback coach Claude Christensen, retired senior offensive assistant Rick Christoffel. 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 <laughs> retired and offensive linebackers coach or outside linebackers coach. <laughs> <laughs> offensive linebackers. Outside linebackers coach Bob Sanders retired. Uh, so it's just starting. I think we're going to have probably some uh, some more fallout from all of this coming up. Okay, let's talk about your theory about what happened this year. I think it's probably the best one that I've heard. Not that I'm 
Impartial. <laughs> I'm completely impartial. You're not biased <laughs> at all. Yeah, well, to me it seemed obvious, and especially when you listen back to Coach Bowles when he took over the team, you know, he said, well, one, he wasn't going to interfere with the offense, but he did want a more run-heavy approach, and he wanted our time of possession to be longer because he felt that our defense was on the field too much. He wanted them to have more time to rest and be fresh. And he saw the way to do that was to increase the run game. And so from what I saw, you know, we we definitely ran not more, but we had a different running. We, we, me and you talked about this all the time when, with Bruce Arians, that her running was a, uh, a secondary thing with Arians. You know, his his running backs were more have always been a more of an extension of the passing game. Yeah, they were blockers first. Blockers first. I mean, if they didn't want to block, they were not getting run snaps. Right. So Bruce Arians made it very clear early on you had to earn your rushing attempts by pass protection. Yes. And same with tight ends. You know, he's not a Bruce Arians is not a big a tight end receiving guy. Mm-hmm. He was more into tight ends block. Mm-hmm. But the running backs, you know, his thing was you 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 pass protect and most of the running the running backs were used a lot in swing routes and stuff in the passing game. You know, he just wasn't Bruce Arians was never a running back guy. And he said that all the time, you know, and he said you know, he was very adamant about the fact that he would never pay running backs a lot of money mm-hmm. and he will never, ever have a fullback on his roster. Well, this year we drafted Coquif, used him as a fullback, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, we asked Byron Leftwich, who was an acolyte of Bruce Arians, to adjust his game planning to incorporate more running plays and not just you know, run the ball straight up the middle or whatever. You know, we did a lot of complex running plays. We would do, uh, we were constantly pulling. I mean, it, it drove me crazy how much we pulled our guards in our center. And, it, you know, we, we would go out there in jumbo formations. You know, we'd have three tight ends or two tight ends and an extra uh, uh, offensive lineman. Or, you know, it just, we we changed our, style on offense to something that Byron Leftwich was not prepared for and he, he's not designed for. He's just not a running he's – he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. He was an ex-quarterback. He was under a quarterback head coach. And and you have the greatest quarterback of all time <laughs> on your roster. Right. Why? Why? Focus on running the ball. Would you focus on running the ball? Yeah. I get it. If you have like a Derrick Henry, please, by all means, yes, uh, change your game plan to right. accommodate that. But we we did not have a Derrick Henry on our roster. No, no, not at all. And I I felt that with the you could definitely see a change in running styles with our running backs this year too. I believe that they. Uh, they told the running backs because they wanted to tire out the defense with the run game. You know, that was, you know, Todd Bowles made no bones about this stuff when he got hired. And, you know, we directed our running backs to not try to avoid 
tacklers, but to run into them. You know, we were very much into, uh, you know, hitting these guys, make them tackle, uh, make them get tired out. Because you saw it all the time. We would have, you know, they'd, they'd get to the outside or they'd get to the second level and there would be one guy for them to beat. And instead of trying to go around them, they'd run right at them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, I don't think we were using our running game to try to gain yardage. I think we were using our running game to try and tire out the defense. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we had these big jumbo packages in there because you know, we weren't trying to get yardage as much as we were just trying to beat up the defense and tire them out. As we all know, plan didn't work well. As a matter of fact, everything Todd Bowles said he wanted to do coming in did not pan out. We, we failed at everything mm-hmm. that he said he wanted to do. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that Byron Leftwich was a scapegoat in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Bowles' defense took a step back. Right. Year. It would have been one thing if it was like, if it worked. I mean, first of all, you know, our offense, Byron Leftwich's offense was very successful the first couple of years, you know, with the bombs. And it didn't matter that we didn't dominate in time of possession. Like we could score at will. It didn't matter. But it also didn't seem to matter that the defense was on the field long periods of time it didn't seem to affect i mean they won us the super bowl right so what i mean right it seemed like he was trying to fix a problem that didn't exist yes or it wasn't a problem oh my granddad always told us if it ain't broke don't fix it so i don't understand um you know it's almost like tobbles was more married to his philosophy than anything else and it just uh, he was solving a problem that didn't exist yes i agree with you yeah don't don't fix it if it ain't broke uh-uh. and he tried to and as a result everything fell apart you know even on the defense you know he said one of the things they wanted was more turnovers didn't get that as a matter of fact we went from 17 interceptions last year to 10 this year it's it almost was half. so bad. And at the beginning of the season, the defensive backs were like, oh, yeah, our goal is 30 interceptions this year. And they kind of came out the gate just killing it as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And then it was like the same week that the wheels fell off for everybody else. They just quit trying to get interceptions. I mean, we had like a drought in the middle of the season of how many games where we did not have a single turnover. Yes. Yes, it was a long time. It was it was horrible. It, this year was just bad all the way around. You know, going in with such high expectations and then just it was just crap all year. I think there was like four good games where I enjoyed watching. Most of them were just disappointing. Disappointing. It was no. And and confusing, like very, very, very I'm just, it was like watching, you're like, what is going on? Like, I feel like it's the Twilight Zone or something where, you know, you've taken a team and the very next year it's pretty much the same and they're just complete crap. Yes. And how does that happen? I know. And, and, and like I've said over and over, it's not, it's not like it's just one unit. It wasn't like it's the offensive line or the mm-hmm. tight ends or the running back room or the receive. It's. Everybody. It was the whole team. The whole team took a step back. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you have to say, 
it's on the guy who's in charge of the whole team. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm not going to make any excuses for anybody. Byron Leftwich, never really been a big fan of him. I, I've, I've felt that he's, you know, he's got the best quarterback in the world. And I think Bruce Arians had more with him to do with his play calling than <laughs> they like to let on. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the running backs, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Just not not a big fan of them. Uh, I, I I think that everybody had to blame. Uh, Tom Brady played like crap this year. He had quite a few games where he was just bad. I mean that Cincinnati Bengals game. He lost us that game. It was one hundred percent Tom Brady that lost us the Cincinnati Bengals game. So every there's blame to go around for everybody. But when you get that, when you get everybody's bad. Mm-hmm then you have to lay it at the feet of the guy who's in charge of everybody, and that's Todd Bowles. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I feel like, and and it's this time of year where it's always kind of depressing. <laughs> You're just kind of like, that sucked. I know. We have to watch the other teams in the playoffs yeah. like move on, and you're like, I'm not there. We're not there. Yes. But, I, you know, I – oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. The – it, oh, it's this time of year where it's kind of depressing and you and you start to, you know, you point fingers and you mm-hmm. kind of overreact and all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that we are in for at least another year of crappy football. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i sorry. I just don't think Todd Bowles is it. You know, he, he's not, you know, he, he had all these excuses at the Jets and now he's coming up with all these excuses here. He's fired Byron Leftwich. Okay, like, when when we sat out our starters in week 18 against Atlanta, gave Tom Brady his first losing season, didn't get uh, Godwin his franchise record receptions when he was only a few away uh, and all that good stuff. And Todd Bowles, and, and we looked horrible. We looked absolutely like crap, especially in that second half. And Todd Bowles was, you know, his excuse was that like most fans were like, well, we don't want to get anybody hurt. Well, and I said this on the podcast. I said, if you're going to do that, you better come out swinging in the playoffs. What what sense does it make to rest everybody to then come out and not be prepared to get your butt whooped in the playoffs? What sense does that make? Well, makes no sense. And then it completely contradicts what he said earlier in that week where he said, oh, if you're scared of injury, you shouldn't be playing this game. Right. i mean he made he i mean is he bipolar like he made the complete the case for not sitting anyone (laughs) and specifically cited the injury excuse and you know debunked that and then he goes and he turns around and uses the injury excuse he was playing devil's advocate with himself i guess i don't know um i want to say one thing about the run game too is why would you do that in a season where your offensive line, like yes. you're right. you're right. switching out pieces in your offensive line? I mean, even before the injury to Jensen, you've got two new guards, right. you know, who have never played together with the team. And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we we're going to start Aaron Stinney and then you lose him. And then you got you go with this. So it just the whole the runs, the. The the scheming, yes. the scheme yeah. with the run, it just didn't make sense. Not at all. In any respect. Yeah. 
No, it did not. And <clears throat> one of the things, when we put Gedeke in there, nobody knew how he was going to be, right? And it's a tough position. It's a tough position. And especially with, when you're a rookie. Yes. You right. know, B.A. had taught, I, or it was um, Gilbert, the offensive line coach, who said it's a really tough jump to make from college to the pros because in college you're just kind of a body in the way and in the NFL they ask a lot more of their offensive linemen. Oh yeah, definitely. So we had Gedeke come in and you know he was supposed to be a backup. Uh Aaron Stinney was going to start. I think it was a battle between those two in training camp. And I think they... Stinney and Leverett, wasn't it? Don't know. But when Stinney went down and they put Gedeke in, I was like, okay, let's see what this guy's got. He obviously was not ready. I mean, he did not perform well. And I don't know what they saw in camp that made them think that he was ready exactly. for the game. That's what that's what really was a head scratcher for me because when they put Leverett in, it was it was obvious immediately that Leverett was so much better than Gedeke in that position. That I was thinking, who the hell is evaluating these people? Because that was just, that was night and day. Yeah. The thing, the only thing that makes sense to me is that um, they were worried about depth at center. Mm. And, That's right. That's you right. know, we yeah. had Hainsey, we put him in, but then did we have anyone else that could play center? And so maybe they wanted to keep Leverett on the back burner yeah. in case anything happened to Hainsey. That was my only thought. Yes. Well, it makes sense, too. But I think, you know, within a couple of games of seeing Gedeke play, they should have been like, oh, okay, well, we'll just have to burn the center bridge when we get to it. because Or, like, just set him up for success. Like, quit asking him to do too much. Yes, gosh, they do that. They did it. Let's see, they did it. And that is Bruce Arians' philosophy, too, like next man up. So, right, right. you know, I'll, get, I'll cut Todd Bowles a little bit of slack here, but. I just Yeah, they did in in the playoff game against Dallas, they had Gedeke in, Ryan Jensen his first game back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they so they had Gedeke in and Ryan Jensen beside each other. And they the first play of the game, they had Gedeke pulling and Coquif coming behind him in the fullback position, and I don't I don't know what happened, who's who screwed up there. I'm pretty sure it was Donovan Smith. But he ended up following Gedeke, but Donovan Smith never pulls. You know, he never goes across the line. And but he ended up doing it in this one. And they left Michael Parsons completely free, and he ended up coming and getting a tackle for a loss. And I'm thinking, why in the world would you you've got Ryan Jensen back in his first game mm-hmm. all season, and you've got Gedeke, who we know was the weakest link in the offensive line when he was playing, and you're immediately going to have him pulling. <laughs> on the first gonna, play for yeah, a run. Yeah, we're going to start off the game like that. Yeah, I was just like, that is just, that was just bad. That was just bad. So is that on Byron Leftwich, though? I would assume. I mean, he's calling the plays there. Right. And I, there's so much, and, and a lot of it's speculation, but, you know, I kind of got the sense that Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles were not, not working together very well, if that's the word we want to say. I, I think they didn't like each other. And I think that Leftwich was really 
kind of pissed about the whole running thing. You know, Todd, Todd Bowles said that the screen game and the, you know, these passes to the flats and the, you know, the, the lateral uh, the passes were a, an extension of the run game. And so I think he had Byron Leftwich doing those a lot. And I don't think Byron Leftwich liked it a whole lot. Byron Leftwich, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he wants to, what am I saying? Lateral or? Vertical. Vertical. Yeah. He's a vertical player. You know, he, he wants to go down the field. Our passes beyond 15 yards this year were scant. Our throw, you know, we didn't even try to throw deep a lot. And we had a couple games where we didn't have any deep passes and it's just not <laughs> not how this why offense is you going. have chris godwin mike evans right. julio jones right i mean we could keep going right and tom brady yes i think i think they and i think byron Leftwich was just he felt hamstrung and you know he was kind of being stubborn uh you know doing all these formations where it was obvious we were going to run. Uh, he was running on first down all the time just to kind of get it out of the way. Uh, you know, he would run coming out of the gates and then not run the rest of the game. You know, it, it was just, it was a mess. And I wondered too, I, this is pure speculation also, was there resentment that B.A. picked Todd Bowles to move up to head coach and not Byron, because Byron. There's no way Byron Leftwich could be head coach. I mean, he had interview. He got shafted by Jacksonville. Oh, that's right. yeah, you know, that's right. in the off season. But did was, he? No, I thought he he said he didn't want to go there because he wanted to. He wanted them to fire the general manager, and they said no. So he said no, and he came back to the Buccaneers. I don't know. There, there's no I way. Mean, I mean, I'm sorry, Byron Leftwich is just not ready to be a head coach. I don't think so either. But what if? I mean. He's BA's like protege. You're right. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a good so thought. So who know? I, I don't know. It, Pure speculation, but yeah, and it and it could have been, you know, a lot of the coaches might have been kind of pissed. Yeah, you know, they got looked over or whatever. I don't know. I always got the impression that this was the how it was always going to be when Arians was ready to go, Bowles would take over. You know, I always thought that was the plan. Everybody oh, knew okay. it, but. Yeah. You know, you you might be right. I I don't know, but it, it does seem like there's something there where those two. I mean, clearly, if Tobbles felt the need to fire him, uh, it it didn't appear that they worked well together. The uh, Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report did a podcast after the firing. You know, because they came out, I think it was Sunday night after the game or Monday morning, mm -hmm. and said that Leftwich is going to be fired. And they've been calling for Leftwich to be fired since mid-season. I, mid -season, I can't stand that about them. They've <laughs> they always been like that, like for years. Just fire they, this person. Yeah, fire this person. I mean, they they drum it up forever. They got us Lovey Smith too, so uh, I've never forgiven them for that. Right. So I yeah, I just I don't like that mentality. It's just it doesn't like. No, that's well, like we fired Leftwich. Now what? Right, so, right. So uh, half of our offensive staff is gone. Um, a lot of our players are probably going to be gone. Mm -hmm. So what? We're rebuilding offensively. Like who? I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? Like no. how long does that take? Mm -hmm. 
it's it's just a mess to me. Yeah, and and going along with the whole, if you're going to rest your starters in the last week of the season, and you know get a losing record and all that, you better be ready and you better come out swinging in the playoffs, which we didn't do. Same thing with this. If you're going to fire your offensive coordinator, you better rock it next year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you 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 better be right. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, who's going to be held accountable if our offense is even worse next year? Yeah. You know? Nobody, because then they'll go, oh, it was a rebuild year. Right. And you right. get another excuse. Right. Which is what I'm worried about. Because, like I said, the same thing happened in New York, the Jets, when Bowles was there. He had three offensive coordinators in four years. You know, and he fired one because the guy was too pass happy. You know, so you're like, uh, well, you know, you can't... Uh, you can't just scapegoat your way through coaching, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I'm worried that that's what's going to happen here. I feel like it's already happening, you know. And we saw it with Todd Bowles' press conferences. You know, Todd Bowles was always saying, "Oh, we got to execute better." You know, we got to, you know, we didn't play the way we wanted to. And every now and then he would throw in the, "Oh, we got to coach better too." But you kind of felt like he was saying that because he felt like he had to. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's the script, <laughs> right? Yeah, the coach speak. Uh, but I, I I do feel like with Bowles, it's whereas with Arians, you know, it was true, honest, and accountability. With Bowles, I always feel like he's scapegoating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never Bowles. It's never his scheme or his players or whatever. It's always somebody else's fault. Uh, but I'll tell you, I watched the the All-22 from the Dallas game. And I said in our podcast afterwards, that did we do a podcast? No, what this is our do? first podcast. Oh, instant you reaction. Did it, yeah. yeah, Ralph, oh, very active on YouTube. <laughs> the podcast kind of taking a back burner. Um, but so Ralph had a video afterwards. Instant reaction. Instant reaction. And I said in there that they didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. We had blown coverage, uh, missed tackles, and all that good stuff. And yes, we did do that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, our missed tackling was horrible. Uh, Devin White is uh, aggravating. Uh, and, our, and we had blown coverage, too. Some really, really bad ones. I mean, just fundamental error blown coverages. But we got out coached bad. Which is sad because we went up against Mike McCarthy. Yes. And Dan Quinn. And I, I don't. I don't know why anybody hasn't talked about this. And I, I think it's probably because everybody's so excited about Byron Leftwich getting fired that, you know, we're already looking forward to next season, see who we get. It's like getting new toys on Christmas. You forget about your old toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got out coached bad. Just from what I saw, I've only seen the defensive side of things, but they picked our defense apart in. They did some really nice stuff that was – I was just like, ooh, that was that was pretty – there's nothing our defense kept, our players could have done. You know, they they just – they it was almost like they knew what our defense was going to do and they had the schemes to beat it. And they did. I mean, they, they had so many big plays on us. They, they just did whatever they wanted to on offense. You know, after the first couple of series, they were just like boom, 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 boom. And – you know, nobody's talking about that. Our defense got blowed out. 
in every way you can think of. We missed tackles. We had we had sure interceptions that went right through guys' hands. Mm-hmm. We had we had guys that were in perfect coverage, and those guys, their receivers, still caught the damn ball. You know, we had our guys. We had our guys tip the ball in their hands and knock it out of their hands, and they still were able to catch it. But there was also a lot of plays, which I'm going to show in the the Tiffy videos, where their their routes just smoked our coverage. Man, you know, it was just like. They they just they had shit they had schemes prepared specifically for certain types of defenses we run, and they just killed us. But you know it, you're you're not hearing that from anybody. Mm-hmm. Our defense got trounced out there, you know. And it was exactly what we feared it was going to be. I mean, it's what we've yeah. seen all season. Yeah, yeah. It's the same team that showed up all season. Yep. How we got eight wins, I don't really know. Tom Brady's two-minute comebacks. I know. And then, you know, we all prayed that this was a team that a, a different team would show up. And it didn't. Yeah, right. It was the same exact. It's the crap we watched all season. Yes. And you've got you to gotta go. When you have a team with this much talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about, oh, we lost Ali Marpet, we lost Rob Gronkowski, we lost Antonio Brown, uh, we lost JPP, we lost Dom Kong Su, uh, who else? Oh, Kappa, we lost Kappa. You know, and they're saying that that was, that's a major reason why we didn't perform well this year. We still had a great team. I mean, our offensive line, once Gedeke was replaced with Leverett, our offensive line was good. I wouldn't say it was super great, but it was above average. And, you know, I'd, I'd give him a B. Uh, you know, Leverett, when he stepped in, he he really played well. And he helped out a lot, both the center and Donovan Smith. And when he came in, you had Shaq Mason, who played just solid all year long. Uh, you had Tristan Wirfs, who, of course, is Tristan Wirfs. So then it became Hainsey. It was kind of a toss-up between Hainsey and Donovan Smith as the weak links in the mm-hmm. chain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Donovan, like, really regressed, it felt like, this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played really like he, again, kind of reverted back to that slothfulness. Yeah. You know, and that's where the holding comes from a lot, where he just, he has this attitude. Of, I don't care. Yeah, it's laziness. Yeah. So, you know, our offensive line played decent. Antonio Brown, everybody makes out like he was a big factor. He was never a big factor on this team. I mean, when he played, he did some good stuff. You know, he was a threat, but he didn't play a lot. You got to remember, he didn't came in, come in until late in 2020. Yeah. He, um, yeah, we didn't sign him. No, he was suspended later. until right. Like, okay. We, we, Eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, uh, in but and then the two following seasons, he was injured. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't play that much, mm-hmm. and we won without him. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, it's a different story. I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah, I yeah. would say he. I think we did miss Gronk. Yes, could definitely because no one really ever stepped up in the tight end room. No, I mean Kyle Rudolph. I mean, how many games was he inactive? Right. Yeah, he was not. <laughs> Not a factor at all yeah. this year. And then Bright with his injuries. And, uh, and Kate Otten did well. I like Kate, but he was inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So, 
You know, there we did have a drop in talent and all that, but not near, not near enough to justify half as many points scored a game. Nowhere near. I mean, it was just, I, I it's it, it's really impossible to explain. It really is. It's just everybody just took a huge step down, you know. And you know, Tom Brady was not playing well. Uh, Mike Evans didn't play well. Godwin was coming back from injury. You know, he was. It took him mm-hmm. most of the year to get back to probably eighty percent. Uh, Julio Jones didn't play well. Russell Gage didn't play well. I mean, he had some games that were good, but he was not a game breaker. Uh, on defense, good Lord. We missed JPP and Adam Kongsu so bad. But Shaq Barrett, I mean, look at our our outside linebackers. We started off with Shaq Barrett, and we had Jannard Avery, uh, Tryon, Nelson, O'Connor. Uh, we got Nassib. Late in the later in the season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had Cam Gill, and we ended the season with Tryon Nelson and O'Connor. Yeah, and we had Barrett, Avery, Gill, and NASA were basically hurt, mm-hmm. and Tryon didn't do anything. I mean, he's out there trying, but. And, and he puts some moves on some guys. I mean, he mm-hmm. does some nice spin moves and all that. But it's like after that, he doesn't know what to do, you know. And he missed more sacks than he got sacks. Mm-hmm. You know, he would fly right by guys or get thrown off. I mean, he's an undersized guy. But uh, did he remind you uh, of like Quan Alexander? Like Quan was kind of like that. Yeah, kind of like shoot right past guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was very like eager mm-hmm. and had a lot of energy, but just yeah. And I think we reverted our style on the defensive line to because uh, Bruce Arians' philosophy on defense was always rush the passer and stop the run on the way. And uh, it appeared to me that Todd Bowles switched the philosophy to stop the run first and then go after the passer. Because I can't tell you how many times I saw our whole defensive line stand there until they saw that it was going to be a passive play and then start moving forward. Or, you know, when we had these RPOs, they would always go after the running back. Always. And it was frustrating. Like Tryon would come blazing in and he would tackle the running back while the quarterback is five yards away with the the ball, (laughs) you know, out there getting ready to throw a pass. This happened so much this year. And I think it's because they – they changed the philosophy from rushing the passer first and stopping the run on the way to stop the run first and then go after the the passer. Uh, you know, we, Anthony Nelson, totally disappointed in his performance. The same with Tryon. You know, both of them just really didn't do anything. You know, Nelson had a few good plays, but they – one of the things about Shaq Barrett that I've talked about ever since he came here, as a matter of fact, when we got him in free agency and I went back and I looked at all of his game film, I said, this guy never messes up. He never makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he's always going to give you at least one elite play a game. You know, that's what I saw. Every time I watched him, I was like, you know, <clears throat> he wasn't a starter, but for a little while at Denver. And But every time he was in, he just did not make mistakes. And that's a huge thing, you know, with me especially. I, 
You know, that's that's what I, I like players that don't make mistakes because mm-hmm. that's usually how you lose games is making mistakes. And uh, Barrett just doesn't make mistakes. He's always in position. He's always doing what he's supposed to do. And he's always doing above and beyond what he's supposed to do. But he always does what he's supposed to do. He rarely falls for tricks. And, you know, he always goes after the right guy. And he always keeps containment and all the things you're supposed to do in his position. This year, we didn't have none of that. None of that. These guys were constantly falling for every, you know, RPO, play action, bootleg, uh, roundabout, trick play. Mm-hmm. You know, really, it was Levante David that kept us from getting blown out by every trick play that was thrown at He's us. so good at those. Oh, God, he's great. He reads that shit so good. Yeah. That one play he did against Carolina was amazing. I, I still don't know how he did it. I do not know how he did it. You know, I want to make a video just on that play. You know, he read they they were throwing a screen pass to the left, and Sam Darnold wound up. They they had everybody going left, and they had Sam Darnold pump faked left, and then turned around, and the running back in the center shot out to the to the right, and Sam Darnold threw it to the running back, and David was right there and tackled him for a tackle for a loss. But if you watch it on the game film. David saw, read that play even before the running back in the center pulled and before Darnold turned around. I do not know what he saw there, but it was amazing. I mean, he was over there. He almost caught the ball before they threw it because no, they didn't expect anybody to be over there. Yeah. And Devonta David was over there, but he started running over to the to the right side of the field, his left, before the play was even halfway through. It was amazing. It was. But anyhow, uh, David's very good at that stuff, and he he saved us a lot this year from just getting totally blown out with those trick plays. <clears throat> but Anthony Nelson and Tryon, they're just not it. They're just not it, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, Nassib's okay. Uh, you know, he's a good rotation guy. But anyhow, we ended up this year with no pressure on quarterbacks against Dallas. We got nothing. I mean, we, and how do you? do that with Vita Vea. Yeah, right. I know. On your defensive line. Yeah, he was he was one on one most of the time in with Dallas and they just kept him shut down. He started off really good. Mm-hmm. Our whole defense did, but then yeah. just I don't know what happened. So Todd Bowles has said and Peter Report had an article about Todd Bowles is saying he has got to change the culture with the Buccaneers organization, which is baffling it is baffling baffling because ba came in here he already did that yeah ba did that four years ago what happened to the culture this year that we need a culture change all of a sudden i mean it's all the same people how what why do we need a culture change and i think my theory is these guys that we lost the Gronks, uh, Sue, JPP, they were our culture mm. setters. Mm. And JPP definitely. JP yeah. um well I think Sue deserves credit for Vita's performance in the last few years, mm-hmm. um, since he came in the organization. Cause I just think, you know, some people are like that. Some people have that, you know, 
your work bestie and you're like, they just elevate you, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, Donovan Smith, I think could, we could say the same thing about him with, I mean, that's kind of a different circumstance. Allie retired. Um, but I wonder how much of that had to do with Donovan's regression this year. And I just, you know, and then you have Tom Brady who lost Gronk, his security blanket that he's known for years and, you know, played with, and they just have this special relationship. Um, and so I just think BA appreciates those kind of relationships, mm-hmm. those kind of guys. Very and, much so. Yeah. Yeah. And understands what they do for a culture. Yes. And Tubbles is not. Yes. Tubbles is, you know, I I don't know that he's necessarily a clipboard carrier. You know, the the I, stats guy. I, yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh so in in for the clipboard carrier, it's just, you know, you put in whoever you plug him in, you, you take away Sue, you put in Akeem Hicks because he, he, you know, he's faster. Uh, he's mm. great too, you know, same position. You put him in and you expect the same amount of production. Right. And it just, and you're baffled when it doesn't work. Right. Yes. You know. Yes. So it just, um, I'm, I'm not optimistic about that uh, perspective and that, you know, Tubbles, he's got to fix the culture. Um, I don't think he can. No, I don't either. No, I agree with you there. Uh, going back to the offensive line, I meant to say this earlier. Uh, Ali Marpet last year did not play well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I talked about that, that he took a – like every year he started getting a little bit worse, a little bit worse. But last year he did not have a good year. And I think- but didn't he have that injury and then he came back and was not yeah. kind of kind of not the same – yeah, you know, but you could just tell his heart wasn't in it, mm-hmm. you know, and then he ended up retiring. And I was like, yeah, kind of, you know, in retrospect, you could see it now, but yeah. uh, he struggled last year. So losing him was not that big of a deal because he really wasn't that great last year. Uh, and Kappa, you know, I've always said Kappa was the weakest link in mm-hmm. our offensive line. Losing him and replacing him with Shaq Mason was a definite upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would, I would say – Beside Hainsey, you know, replacing Jensen with Hainsey, our offensive line was actually better this year than it was last year. You know, uh, but I would say that the rapport wasn't there that they had last year. I don't know. You know, I, know. I, I just think that you know you had Donovan Smith and Alley who BFFs since they've been here, um, and then Ryan Jensen who had a great relationship with Tom Brady. Um, I think he really set the tone for the room. And, you know, Kappa was kind of an acolyte, I think, of that attitude that Jensen had. And then you had Tristan Wirfs come in, kind of the nice guy, but definitely an anchor over on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think that the the chemistry was different yeah. last year yeah. than it was this year. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't have the time, I think, to build that chemistry, especially with yeah. the injury to Stinney. You know, I mean, who knows if Stinney hadn't been injured, what the line would look like. Right. But I, you can't blame the offensive line this year. You no. can't do it. And, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of people say that our offensive line sucked and all that good stuff. No, not at all. I, we've seen bad offensive line play. Mm-hmm. This this year was not it. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we did have instances. And, you know, Hangey 
You know, he's a decent center, but he's not the best in the world. I would much rather see Jensen in there, of course. But, yeah. uh, you know, he did okay. Now, you know, I, I, you can't blame the offensive line. I, you could definitely see with Tom Brady, he was scared this year. He was worried about getting hurt. I don't know what it was that happened with him. I don't you know. I think his shoulder. We, well, we we saw he definitely came into camp. He lost a lot of weight. He was gaunt, lost a lot of muscle tone. Uh, you know, I think, you know, he he was he was thinking about getting hurt more this year than he probably ever has. Uh, it's one of the things that when I did the evaluation, looking at the game film between him and Jameis Winston back when we got Tom Brady, that I was amazed at the difference in – uh, you know, because Jameis Winston always felt phantom pressure. And anytime he felt pressure, you know, he would use his feet. Barrel, he would go, uh, whether the pressure was there or not. And you see that a lot with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady would never do that. He would stand there if there was a guy coming barreling in at him, 300-pound defensive lineman coming at full speed. Tom Brady would stand there and throw the ball and take the hit. He wasn't doing that this year. He was feeling pressure. He was pulling that ball down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, either – trying to these weak scrambles or just, you know, trying to protect the ball and just going down. He did that a lot more this year than he has in years past. Uh, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the offensive line. I just want to throw that out there. Offensive line was not our issue this year. Of all the things we can complain about, they aren't the ones. Now, their, their run blocking could be better. Mm-hmm. Those are dang sure. But that goes with the fundamentals across the whole team. You know, you were talking about how Todd Bowles, whether he's a clipboard carrier or whatever, that's one of the reasons why I say he's a clipboard carrier because he really, really focuses on his schemes. You know, his <laughs> complex-ass defense he's got. He loves just mixing everything up all the time. But one of the things you can tell why, that he doesn't focus on the actual, you know, the fundamentals, the, uh, the, the tackling and, and stuff like that, which is kind of a – Telltale from clipboard carriers to, you know, the the football guys is guides the, the the whole defense will tackle the same way, you know, because they really focus on tackling and here's how we want you to tackle and this is the tackle you know and you you see teams that they tackle well they all tackle the same way. Our defense we all they all tackle differently, mm. you know we don't practice tackling and the we don't practice we don't practice blocking either. You know, in the offense, they all block different, too. <laughs> it's weird. So, yeah, we don't practice fundamentals. I think we have the philosophy, which you get that a lot with clipboard carriers, is they're, you know, they're like, that's the fundamentals. If you don't know how to do that this far in your career, you shouldn't be out here on the football field. Mm-hmm. We're not going to waste time on that. We've got to spend all of our time on all these complex schemes, mm-hmm. you know, so. Which I get that yeah. in theory, right. but yeah. sometimes – it's needed. No, Sometimes. it's definitely needed with us. We have way too many. Our tackling was crap this year. I hated it. Uh, but then again, we've kind of complained about that ever since Bowles has been here. Yeah. In our tackling. Uh, this year, it really cost us a bit, quite a bit. Uh, against Dallas, it was one of the reasons why we were horrible. We were just horrible all the way around in that game. It wasn't a single good. And it's so embarrassing. It's uh, We're on the national stage. And... 
you know everyone's watching us because yeah. Tom Brady. You could be and, Tom Brady's Dallas, last game. Right, and Dallas Cowboys. And Everybody watches Dallas. Dallas exactly. How do they have a fan base after not performing well for 25 years? Can I just say I can't wait to see them get trounced by San Francisco today. <laughs> I cannot wait. I think everybody's going to get trounced by Sarah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So let's talk about potential offensive coordinator candidates. Ah, yes. We, we had we had a uh, viewer ask us a couple of weeks ago, and it's been on my list to get around to, uh, but he had asked uh, if we could discuss what if, if uh, Leftwich is fired, but Bowles is not, who would be some good candidates to become the Buccaneers' new offensive coordinator with the caveat of no hiring from within? Uh, this was from... Interesting. Uh, you know, that's an interesting UNC caveat. UNC Vigilante? Okay. Uncle Vigilante? Uncle Vigilante. But, uh, UNC. <laughs> Uncle Vigilante, yes. Go ahead. I've got two guys. Three, actually. But... Two, and nobody's going to agree with me on this. <laughs> uh, You're going to get the hate in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really like Cliff Kingsbury. If Unfortunately, he's in the Philippines right now. He's taking a break from football. He's going to go out there and meditate, guru for a while. <laughs> get him a Filipino wife which bring back. <laughs> uh He's got the do not disturb sign mm-hmm. up on his everything, his phone, his just uh he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. That's a new one, you know. I mean, like Levy Smith disappears to his basement and watch film for a year. Yeah, right. So I heard that one. Well, Kingsbury going halfway across the world. He needed it, man. He had a rough, rough time at Arizona. Yeah, I didn't understand. You know, it seemed like when they got Kyler Murray. That's yeah. when it all started going downhill. Yeah. Well, Kyler what Murray's a, a little, drama queen. He's a little full of himself, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I really, really, really like his. What do you like about him? He's um, a number of things. But uh, the two of these guys that I got on here, I got on here mainly because they are not scheme guys. They play to what they have. Okay. You know, they fit their system to the players they have. Mm-hmm. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a great offensive mind. Uh, he did a lot of stuff that I think elevated the Arizona Cardinals offense mm-hmm. above and beyond what they were capable of. And Kyler Murray is a unique player. Yes, yes, very. So I can see your point where he adapted the offense to him. Yes. Uh, and I just like a lot of the stuff they did. You know, did. I would like to – you know, we've had – so many years. Well, actually, forever. We've never had an innovative offensive coordinator. I don't know, like Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter. I love Dirk Cutter, and I'm going to talk about him in a second. He's not coming back. He, no. He was he was he was really an offensive mastermind, but he was not uh ex- He was not a head coach. He's not head coach material. No, not at all. He was not a uh when I'm when I say innovative, I'm talking about you know like all these trick plays and mm-hmm. unusual stuff. Uh, Cutter was a master at scheming guys open, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean he was just incredibly good at it. I really wish we could have seen Dirk Cutter in the offense with Tom Brady Ooh, as quarterback. That would have been, been incredible. But uh, 
I'm sure he wishes that too. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've never had an innovative offensive coordinator. And I'd like to see Cliff Kingsbury as, because he's very innovative. He's very, uh, always coming up with new crazy stuff, kind of like Andy Reid does. You know, and, and it's Andy Reid. I don't care what anybody says. It's not. Uh, oh, Mahomes. No, uh, Michael Jordan. No, Beanie. It's not Beanie. It's Andy Reid because he did the same crap at Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and he's just very innovative. He likes to design crazy stuff, mm-hmm. and and players enjoy that. Players enjoy the fun of going out there and trying crazy stuff. So Cliff Kingsbury would be my number one choice. If we get okay, next. I don't think we will. Though. I think no, we're we're going to get a run heavy offensive coordinator who's going to be subservient to yeah Todd Bowles's wish to run the football. Yeah, and that's kind of the sense I got from it too. Was that Todd Bowles like wanted, even though he's a defensive mind, he wanted input over the offense, and I just I don't know. Stay in your lane. That's how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Like. No, you're not an offensive guy. <laughs> okay, my second guy, which I'm going to get a ton of crap for this one, I'm sure, is uh, Mike LaFleur. Uh, he was the Jets' offensive coordinator. I was Matt LaFleur's brother. Matt LaFleur's brother, both GQ models. <laughs> so I want him here just so we can put him on posters. <laughs> Ralph wants a poster. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I was very impressed when we played them last year with the way he adjusted the offense to his players. And he they played very good football, very sound, solid football. But again, it was very innovative at the same time. Unfortunately, he has said he's not leaving the Jets, right? No, he got fired. Oh, he got fired. Yeah. I thought somebody like asked to interview him and he declined. Yeah, then he got fired. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They they really stopped. That's messed up. Actually, I, I don't know if he got fired. Or I th- I you know now that you say that, I think he did. Yeah, but again, he's one of those guys who adjusted his his scheme to the players available, mm-hmm. which we're going to need that because I honestly I don't think Tom Brady's coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I wouldn't I don't think if so. I was him. No, uh, but we're going to need somebody who can mold or who can. Not come in rigid scheme and try to fit their guys into it. You know, uh, we you know we got we got our players. We got Mike Evans. We got Chris Godwin. They're both physical football players. They're mm-hmm. not run after the catch guys. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not going to juke open. You know, they're going to fight for the ball mm-hmm. in traffic, and they're going to go down shortly thereafter. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll fight for a little bit for a few extra yards, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got to work within those. Mm-hmm. Within those parameters. Yeah, Lenny, he's under contract for another two years. Yeah. The physical back. Yes. Uh, I I would like to see Brian Callahan, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, but I think he's going to go to a head coaching position, if anything. Yeah, that, you don't see often, like, the yeah, lateral move. we're not going to get lateral, move. right? Yeah. Unless they were fired. Then yeah. you could pick them up on the chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he's another one of those guys who – uh, Cincinnati just they just don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're very solid in what they do. Uh, 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 to, to, to cheat a little bit here, Harold Godwin, our current assistant Goodwin. at Goodwin, 
our current assistant head coach. I could see him being put in the offensive coordinator position. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was offensive coordinators for the Cardinals with Bowles mm-hmm. in the with Arians was head coach. Yeah, and he was assistant offensive coordinator with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him and Byron kind of split those duties, which why he wasn't fired too. Right, yeah. Very strange. <laughs> uh, especially because he was our run game coordinator. Right, and what about our offensive line coach? Yeah. You know, why is he still around? I don't know. You know, if they're going to bitch about the running game. Don't know. Scapegoat. Don't know. Scapegoat. Uh, everybody's talking about Todd Munkin coming. You know, he, he's currently head coach in college. He was the offensive coordinator when Dirk Cutter was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't know who was in charge of coming up with those game plans, but they were great. Uh, Dirk Cutter called plays, if I recall. I think so. Yeah. Correctly. I think it was Dirk Cutter that was kind of in charge. So with Todd Munkin, I don't know. You know, I don't follow college, so I don't know what he's doing over there, and I don't know if it's uh, anything like what we did here. But it was it'd be great if that was what he brought here, what we had with Cutter. But who knows what you know? Who our quarterback is going to be if they're going to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a very smart quarterback that can read the field. I know. What the hell are we going to do there? Yeah. I don't know. But I think this off season, I'm just going to curl into the fetal position and yeah, cry. I, 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 it's going to be a tough one. Uh, the, Y'all know I don't do well with change, so this is rough. Uh, the issue I have with Todd Bunkin coming back is the issue I have with any coach or player coming back. It just never seems to work out. You know, it's whether it's subconsciously or consciously, you know, they're they're upset about being fired. You know, and you bring them back. You know, we saw what happened with Lovey Smith. You know, and I said that when we are, I was like, this is not a good idea because no matter what you say, so constantly in the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, F these people. They didn't loan me the last time. They fired me. You know, I'm going to take my revenge out. It might be subconscious, and but it's there. And we've seen how petty Lovey Smith is. <laughs> so, you know, with Todd Bunkin, I just, I'd prefer not to go that route. Yeah, it's a risk. Yeah. So that's what, what do you think? Who would you like to see? I don't know. I don't pay attention to... Okay. Coordinators like that. So that I think because it, it's hard, I think, to discern like how much of it is the offensive coordinator, how much of it is the um, head coach. Mm. You know, I don't know. It's just or the players or yes, you know. especially when you got one of those weird situations where you got an offensive head coach who mm-hmm. also has an offensive coordinator, but the offensive head coach is calling plays. Yeah, you and know, whose and, playbook is it? Right. You know, that's kind of one of the things with Byron Lethwich. You know, how much was Arians? How much was Brady? You know, and again, we talk about all the running. You know, they they ran almost the exact same amount as they did last year. We didn't increase our run, but we had our output was horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were running. We had like four point some yards per game last year. This year, we were down like three point two per carry. It was horrible. Uh, but again, you know, we talk about that, but who was in charge of it? We know that Brady can call a run play if he wants to up there. So, you know, was he not calling run plays when he should have or calling run plays? I don't know, man. It's just, I felt Byron was the scapegoat. Honestly, I'm not upset about it whatsoever. I'm just worried that. 
it's it, just not going to make a difference. It's not going to make a difference, yes. Or it's going to be a net negative. Right, yes. I, <laughs> that's how we always feel. When, yeah, yeah. When people get Yeah, because just the unknown is really... Yeah. But uh, if we were to get Cliff Kingsbury, which I don't think we will, because like I said, I don't think Byron's looking for that type of coach. He's in the Philippines anyway. Yeah. Yeah, well, who knows? He might take a year off. Or so. <laughs> He's going to come back with like long hair, <laughs> looking like Ralph <laughs> with the beard and the hair. <laughs> or Aaron Rodgers all like <laughs> yeah. taking the Hayayuska. Yeah. I, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah. Spend off season in the mountains. Yeah. The shaman. Come Buddhist. Yes, uh, so there you go. Uh, I'm uh, going to have to... Uh, continue with the all 22 so i'm gonna get the all 22 finished and done a lot of interesting stuff so far already uh i can't comment on the offense yet because i haven't watched the offense but uh, it's probably not great no i know it's not really great. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, keep an eye on that everybody if you haven't already go to the youtube page check check stuff out we got content there too anyhow you ready to watch this Dallas? I am. Game? I can't wait. You got anything else to say? I do not. I've got a ton more to say, but we just don't have time to say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do another podcast next yeah. month. Next, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get on a better routine now that we got the baby done. So, baby's baby's out and ready to conquer the world. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time, go Bucks.